Our scripture reading this morning is from Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. And our message today is entitled, Malachi, A Failure to Love. This is the Lord's word. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife, but divorces her, says to the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Let's greet each other one more time before we hear the Lord's message. Look to the left of you, to the right of you, to see God's people gather together to worship him in spirit and in truth. As we continue our series in Malachi, let me remind us once again how difficult this book is in the Bible. Malachi is a series of disputations between God and his people. And Malachi is not saying words of kindness, but Malachi is saying very difficult and hard words unto them. For the purpose of repentance, restoration, and revival. No one likes to be rebuked. No one. No child wants to hear from their mom or dad, come here, we need to talk. No child desires that. But we as parents and we who've been children understand that they do so out of love, to rebuke, to correct, that we may have life and life to its fullest. It is no different here with Malachi. And Malachi as a prophet was one who was fearful about this burden that he was given. His task was go to, to go before the people and tell them everything that they've done wrong. 
Now, there are some people in the world who would relish the chance to do that, but for most of us, that is not a joyful task. And Malachi felt the heaviness, the burden to defend the Lord and to accuse Israel of their wrongdoing. Brothers and sisters, these accusations that you will hear today, or this one particular one, we as God's church today need to hear and receive well. Part of me also is a little bit fearful in this message today because we're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about, in a sense, dating. We're going to be talking, in a sense, about marriage and divorce. And these topics are some of the most personal issues that we have. These are some of the issues. I, I do not know your personal history that can open wounds for many of us. But rest assured, God does not do this to harm you. God's word does not do this to make you feel like second or third class citizens. But God declares this to bring you back to him. You are his first love. He who chose you from the beginnings of all time. And he wants you to open your eyes and heart to see that God is the only love that will satisfy you. And so as we enter into this passage, I ask the Lord and I ask of you to come with humility, with ears ready to hear what God has to say. In the last two weeks, we went over the first, dispute, first two disputations. And to just recap very briefly, the first disputation was simply, Israel, you have not loved me. And Israel says, how have we not loved you? And God says, this is how I have loved you. Remember, I loved you before the foundations of the earth. And God is proving to the people of Israel that my love for you is not dependent upon your works, dependent upon how our relationship has gone. But my love for you is dependent upon myself, God, and my being from beyond history, that I have chosen you before the foundations of the earth. That's my electing love. It's one of those mysterious things in Scripture that if we try to wrap our heads around election, that will confuse us. But as covenant people, people in relationship with the Lord, the joy of knowing that God chose us and loved us from the beginning gives comfort and strength to every one of us. For no matter how we live on this earth, in a sense, God's love is assured for you and for me. This is how God has loved Israel. This is how God has loved you. So Malachi tells them, if God has loved you this way, people of God, loved God who loves you unconditionally. Walk with him 
who will never, never disappoint you. Walk with him who will never throw you away. The second disputation we went through last week is, is about worship. That the people of God were, were bringing sacrifices to the temple to worship him. But the animals they would bring would be full of blemish. They were second or third class in terms of what the animals were like. And God said to them, why aren't you bringing me your best? Why aren't you worshiping me as I deserve? The one who loved you, the one who made you, the one who sustained you, the one who will bring you to glory. And God's aim is this disputation, not at the people, but at the priests, at the leaders. Why do you, as the priests, why are you satisfied with these sacrifices that are heartless from your people? Priests, leaders, keep my worship pure before you, that the people of God will meet me and not some secondary idea of the God you want or you desire. And so leaders, lead well, serve well, challenge your people well, that your, my worship, the worship that you offer me would be pure. Today, the third disputation is for the people of God. And for the people of God, we come to a very important word in Scripture. And it's in the name of our church, Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church. It's a long name. But each one of those words are important to understand who we are. And each one of these words come from Scripture itself. And one of the most important words in the name of our church is covenant. Covenant is a promise that God has made with his people. And there are varying covenants within Scripture that we've seen. We've seen the covenant of the Garden of Eden when God says to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. If you keep my covenant, I will raise you up into your glorified state, into this perfected righteousness if you obey me. We see later on the covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, covenant with Moses, covenant with David, and then covenant, the new covenant in Jesus himself. And these covenants are promised between God and us about his role in his relationship with you and me. And this is why he says, have you not remembered the covenants, my people? I have promised to love you unconditionally. This covenant that I have made with you brings about a relationship that once was unbroken to a relationship that is perfected now in him. You are now in this holy relationship unto the Lord. You belong to God, and more importantly, God belongs to you. You are forever, your hearts intertwined with the Lord through his spirit. And by God's grace, and you will know this is God's grace as you grow in the Lord. There's nothing you can do to get away from God himself. That is how much he loves you. 
And he says to them, have you forgotten this covenant? Have you forgotten how much I love you? Now, this relationship with the Lord we saw last week, it, it plays out into our worship with, with God. But this disputation talks about how it, how it has affected our relationship with one another. When God has loved us, he has commanded us as God's people to love one another. Those of you who believe in Christ, those of you who are part of the covenant of God, have you forgotten in your relationships to simply love one another? Have you forgotten to carry each other's burdens? Have you forgotten that you are all one body in Christ and that we as God's people, we grow together in our sanctification and love for him, not purely as individuals, but as a community of God. Together. I know in today's age, it's, it's hard to find community, even though we all want community. It's, it's, it's one of the marks of our generation today. Our generation today, we've, we've thrown out everything else that our, that our, uh, our parents' generation has, 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 has sort of built up. And we had a sort of radical individualism that I can figure out all things by myself. But we realized that pendulum is way too far that way. And in the world today, people are looking for community. They're looking for anything. They're looking for friendships. You talk with people who, who, who work nowadays, and you ask them, where do you find friends? And they'll say to you, at work. And part of you feels really bad for them. Really? Just at work is the only place? You say, yeah. After work, we, we go to a bar, and we, ju we just hang out, and we just talk. It's like, what about church? Well, I don't, we, don't, we don't go to church anymore. What about people, your neighbors? Well, people just stay in their houses nowadays. But if we as a church and Israel as, as Israel start looking outward for a community or start to disregard the community that God has given us, then we have forgotten God's design of his covenant. His love for us enables us to love one another to walk with each other and to enjoy each other's fellowship. There is a reason why the world wants community. It's because God's designed you for that. And there's a reason why the only perfect community is the one that God has designed through his covenant. That is the church. That is you and me. And so Malachi is is upset. God is upset. You have forgotten one another. This is his basic statement. This is his foundational statement. But we see that how it plays out in, the, in these next two charges against the people of Israel. The second charge is simply that you have started to go after foreign women. Now, we're not talking about inter, intermarriage in today's age. It's okay to intermarry today, okay? What's happening here is that God's people are no longer looking 
to marry other people who love God. That God is no longer the, the centrality of their relationship that they desire in, in the opposite sex. They're looking for something else. They chase after what the foreign women have and the gods that they worship. They see the foods that they eat. They, they see the ways that their gods bless them, and they chase after that. And God is saying to them, you've forgotten my covenant. You've forgotten to love one another. It's no surprise that you're going after foreign women, that you're going after relationships outside of the covenant that, is, that, is, that I have given to you. It's a natural consequence of us not worshiping and knowing our God. Now, there are some of you here who, who are married already, and perhaps you're married to, to someone who doesn't know the Lord. Let me tell you this right now. God still loves you and loves your marriage. There are places in Scripture that we talk about in terms of, in terms of praying for our spouses to come to know the Lord. Praying that together that the household will be, will be one in worshiping the Lord himself. And even if that does not occur, to know that your household is still blessed because you believe in the Lord. We understand in this day and age that there isn't going to be this perfected marriages throughout the church itself. But we know that the Lord himself desires God's people's hearts to be with him. If you are one of those people who happen to be single and you're thinking about dating, you're thinking about what, it, what it's going to be like to, to worship him, I, I, I urge you, start thinking about what is most important to you. If it is God, if it is his people, then naturally we would desire to marry someone who knows God and who loves his people as well. This is what the church of God looks like. This is what God wants to build. This, if we do not move in this direction, what would happen to Israel? Israel will start to break apart. What will happen to the church? The church will start to break apart. And thirdly, what does Malachi talk about? About divorce. There are people in the church who are divorcing too easily before God. That they do not take the covenant of marriage with solemnity, with gratitude, in knowing that God has given this institution not only for creation, but his people as well. That divorce should not be taken lightly. That men, you are not to give a certificate of divorce as they used to do in those days, just out of your whim. But that men, you are to love 
the spouse, the wife of your youth, to cherish her, to grow with her, to love her. This will show God and show the world that you belong to him. You belong to him. Marriage is something that God has given not only to creation, but especially to all of you. This world might simply say it's wonderful to, to just, just be single and to be single all your life. Singleness is a wonderful gift that God has given some people. But I would implore most of you, ask the Lord, Lord, is there someone for me that I can labor with in the gospel and provide as you have provided salvation in all things for me? No matter how much college students who are here, college is usually the most sort of individualistic time in your life. You get to do what you want to do. You get to live where you want to live. You get to study where you want to study and all those things. But I tell you, no matter how much you go that direction, the idea of marriage, the idea of being one with someone, the idea of doing, having that under the guise of God himself, blessed by God himself, is something we all desire. And God wants to bless that with all, for all of you. Marriage is a good thing, a blessed thing. And no couple should think about divorce so easily, but should bring it before the Lord. Why is this important? You know, I remember during my seminary days talking with a, a friend of mine from Northern Ireland, and we were talking about spiritual warfare and and she brought up a, a, a cult in Northern Ireland of, of Satanists. And, and I was like, well, wow, there's Satanists in Northern Ireland, okay. And as she and I were talking, uh, she, she brought up this article and we were reading the article together. Um, and she was telling me about what Satanists do in terms of their understanding of, of the church and being so anti-God, anti-Jesus. And she said to, and, and in, the, in, the, in the writing itself, as she read it to me, uh, it said something like this, that the number one thing that Satanists pray for is for the dissolution of marriage in the church. Think about that. You, you think it would be like, you know, like, I don't know, like, like storms coming and destroying the building or, or people dying or, or you know, a, a, a flu, really bad flu going through the congregation. No, it's that people would be disillusioned and that marriages would break up. Why? Because this Malachi here understands the pinnacle of the covenant of God's people together is that institution of marriage. The people of, the, of husbands loving their wives, wives loving their husbands, of children growing in the faith. And together as the church, 
growing in our love for one another. Now this covenant, I do not want you to simply hear, okay, I need to love people more. Okay, I need to only date people who are Christians. Okay, um, I should not get too harsh with my spouse and try to figure things out. Those are good. Those, those are simply fruit of something bigger. And what is that? These relationships, especially this idea of, of, of dating and marriage, the reason why it's so important to God is because we see in Scripture the purpose of the wedding is not first and foremost for you. Let me say that again. The purpose of marriage is first and foremost not for you. Now, you might look at Genesis 1 and see, well, there's Adam and Eve, and, and, and God created marriage. Yes, yes, he did. He loves you, and he's gave, given you that. But believe it or not, that's secondary. We see in Scripture when, when, when Jesus says to us that when we're in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no more marriage. Now, some of you who are married might be very disappointed in that. Some of you might be very happy. Just kidding. None of you should be happy about that. But, but, but why does God say that? Because the ultimate marriage is between God himself and his people. And what Christ has done for you by giving himself on the cross, by enacting a relationship where Jesus is the bridegroom and you are the bride, where you will consummate your relationship with Jesus forever and ever, for all of eternity, we will be with him enjoying our husband who loves us dearly, that we who are single, we who are married, we who have children, we who do not have children, we who have broken relationships, we who have broken marriages, whatever it may be, that our perfection of our marriage with Jesus will come. And it's that hope in him that, he, that Malachi wants the people of Israel to understand. Love one another. Why? Because God has loved you. Seek to understand the, the ways that we are to, to grow in our relationships with each other, especially in marriage. Why? Because Jesus loves you. Do not fret, brothers and sisters. This life is broken. When you're young, you feel like everything, is, everything will work out. But as you get older, you realize this broken world is not as kind as I think it was. But God forever will be. Whatever lot he gives to you, know that God's infinite love as your groom will forever be yours. Praise be to our God. Praise be to the one who loves us. 
Christ's covenant Presbyterian Church. Remember the covenant of God, the way that he's loved you. And may we, by his power and his strength, love one another well. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have seen, Lord, in our own lives how we have not kept your, your commands to love you and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when you show us our sins, that it does not so oppress us that we are unable to move, unable to respond. Neither does it move us, Lord, to go and earn our righteousness by doing what the old Catholic Church calls penance, doing laps, whipping ourselves. But Lord, you show us our sins so that we can see the grace that is in Jesus of his perfect love. He who gave up all power, all authority, that he may claim us as his bride. How great is that love for us. And so we ask of you, Lord God, as we hear, Lord, this, these disputations and these charges against your people, that we would come to the cross, admit our lovelessness, but then come to the cross and see Jesus' perfect love. We thank you. You and you alone are perfect. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.